What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have John Orpheus. So, uh, John, what is it that you do? Ooh, this is, this is the big question off the top. Well, I get paid by art. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm a books man. I'm a, I'm a musician, composer, singer, songwriter. Um, so, yeah, music and, and words is my thing. Right. And you're based in Toronto right now? I'm based in T.O., yeah. Yeah. So um, the the elephant in the room, how have you been coping through the pandemic and all of that stuff? Yo, you know what? I started the pandemic, Dwayne, on, on, a, on a vibe where I was just kind of like, like I started, you know, I got my book deal mid-2018. Mm-hmm. And we had just dropped a mixtape named Goat Life. And we were on a wave. But I was like, nah, uh, uh, I'm going to write this book. So I'm shutting everything down. And I didn't know if I was going to be a guy who wrote a book or a guy who writes books. <laughs> I'd studied English literature. I always wanted to be a writer. I wrote a novel previously in 2010. But I didn't know. Sometimes it's just something that you you tell yourself you always wanted. but people change. So I wrote the book and then I was like, yo, actually, I want to write more books. I got mad ideas. I got things I want to do. I love the process. This feels good. So I basically put myself in a position. I moved out of downtown. I put myself in a position where I had space and time to be by myself and create because the enemy, as you know, the enemy of creativity is interruptions. (laughs) like you can't get stuff done because people in downtown Toronto you know I got big community there and lots of love lots of people and I love them dearly but I wanted to get away and create and sort of be on my isolation suddenly the pandemic hit and (laughs) and guess what I had all the isolation I I wanted but I'd already set up my life to be on that path okay So, I mean, for me personally, having no kids, all my work being from home creatively, um, I had the most productive like year and a half of my life. Wow. Wow. I mean, I wrote two novels, two children's books, made this album, Saga King, um, that we just put out last Friday. we got we got we got the US book deal for Saga Boy's release. We launched Saga Boy and all the press around that. Um, and I, I even built a, a program for for um, for a college, a local college here um, paid me to build a program to help their graduates get jobs in technology. So and I built it from scratch. I designed it. I set it up I ran it and it's got like an 85 percent placement rate so I'm like even on on my non sort of creative life my side hustle 
was was super super productive so you know it's it's a tough time for the world and i'm not trying to like it's embarrassing to be so living in so much abundance when the world when people are dying people are sick there's you know these quasi religious fights between vax non-vax covid non-covid like the world's gone nuts yeah um but I just been making things. I just been mm. creating things. And so for me, it's been one of the great flowerings of creativity in my life. I might not, I don't know when I'll have this much space and time to just create again. Yeah. You're on that Renaissance man tip with all of these, these different interests. Yeah. Well, I, I just believe that that's who we are. Right. It's like, mm. You're a musician, so you can't host a podcast? Nah, come on. We're, we're a lot of things. We are, you know, we're fathers, we're sons, you know, and I, and we talk about just Blackness. I, you yeah. know, I get asked about that a lot because we live in the era of George Floyd and Floyd COVID. And, 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 and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I am Black, and I love that, and I celebrate that. But you know what else I am? I'm an uncle. Mm-hmm. I'm a nephew. I'm a lover. I'm a I'm a citizen. I'm a business owner. I'm a business partner. I'm an employee. I'm a I'm an artist. I'm a writer. Like and so I feel like society always wants to reduce us down to one thing, but who do you know that is just one thing? None of us are. We mm-hmm. are like the poet Walt Whitman says, we contain multitudes. Right, you know? right. And so and so I really ride for that because I, I just feel like if I got a passion for it and I'm about it, I'm about it. Like, you know, like, and that's my, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of my core struggle is always to just, you know, you don't define me, I define me. You can't mm-hmm. tell me, you know, when I was a youth, I was the only black kid listening to hard rock, heavy metal music. People would be like, you can't listen to that. That's rock music. You know, you're black. What you should be listening to hip hop. I'm like, well, I do listen to hip hop, but black people invented this, right? Little mm-hmm. Richard, you know, mm-hmm. Little Richard, Ike Turner, like Bo Diddley, right. right? So how are you gonna tell me I can't do that, right? Yeah, I was that kid in Trinity. They called me Hodden or Onwe. It's like <laughs> if you try to tell me what to do, guaranteed you're not gonna be successful. And so in my life, that played out into just being like dog. Like, I'm not that one thing. Mm-hmm. You can't define me by that one thing because our humanity is much greater than any one thing. Mm. Interesting, interesting. So speaking of Trinidad, um, like prior to working with Mike Schlosser, like a producer that you've worked with, um, you were kind of like, you, you, you weren't as connected to your Caribbean and roots and the, the African diasporic roots and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can relate to this in a lot of ways too. Like what made you kind of want to go back to, to look at that? Well, cause I mean, there wasn't no not going back cause it's part of you. Right. And yeah. so that's what I mean. That's why I fight to include all the versions of me and all the things I do because if you know that that's part of you and you're not connected to it, then my instinct is always, yo, I need that. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. I can't be whole unless I acknowledge Trinidad and where I grew up and where I'm from. And I think part of it is, 
There's a couple of things. I mean, one is growing up, you know, black and Trinidadian in areas that were predominantly white and and mostly homogeneously white Canadian. Mm. So first of all, there's no venues for you to nourish that side of you. Um, and, and second of all, if you want to fit in, you're almost forced to kind of amputate certain parts of you that don't fit in. You come in and you, you talk with that strange accent, people like, why? I don't understand you, huh? Pardon? Okay, so now I'm going to talk with a, with a different accent. Or, or you listen to some soca and they're like, what is, what is that music? That's, that's weird music, you know? And now you got to, now you're, maybe you keep, you do that less. And also, I think the third thing is a natural curiosity. Like, I'm a dude who, creatively, I'm like that. We drop a tune and the tune is fire. A lot of people be like, oh, we want to make that tune again. How do we make this summer's version of that last tune that was successful last summer? I am not into that. If I know a thing, I want to know something else. Mm. And so for me... I, I never worried about being black because I was like, I'm black. I'm chinning. Mm-hmm. I don't have to prove that to anybody. So, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you see that a lot with, uh, with, uh, with homophobia. I'm always struck yeah. by that. People are like, yo, yo, if, I'm straight. So I got to prove it by how I dress, how I look, how I, it's like you got to over signal it. Well, yeah. why do you got to over signal it if you know that you're a thing? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So people are like, well, you, you shouldn't wear that because that's gay. And I'll, I'll be like, I wear only women's sunglasses. Why? Because they're prettier. Right. Them fucking ugly, like, uh, can I cuss? I'm cussing. Oh, yeah. Go for it, man. That, them ugly, <laughs> blocky, like, like I'm, a, I'm a U.S. Marine's sunglasses that they force <laughs> men to wear. I'm like, nah, dog, nah, that ain't me. I'm chinny to the bone. We, we flamboyant. We, yeah. we're, some, we're some bright, brilliant people. So, so why do I need to signal, like, if, if penises don't turn you on, then you're not gay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> you, know, you know, you don't need sunglasses is not going to change that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And if it do wearing a hoodie and a, and a, and a button and, and a ball cap low is not going to change that either. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, so I really ride for that. I'm, I'm, I can't, those reasons were why coming up, I was alienated from, that part of myself because I wasn't around black people. I I was trying to fit in with non-black people, non-Caribbean people. And then also I have a natural, I, I have no insecurity about my blackness or my Caribbeanness. Like I own it fully because come on, you know, it's like listening to rap ain't gonna make me more black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> listening to metal ain't gonna make me less black so yeah so and 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 so I got to Toronto and I was going through a period it started like really emotionally where I was kind of like yo like my life ain't working like things about my life ain't working like you know in our lives we just do next thing next thing next thing we're always on the grind on the hustle you don't have no time to sit and reflect mm-hmm. right and yeah. it's a rare thing that human beings have time to sit and look back and take stock and me- measure and weigh what's, what's happened. 
And I was suddenly realized that until I started sorting out my past, I couldn't have a future. Mm. So I started digging into my past. I started getting therapy. I started like really, things just weren't working. I was ending up in all kinds of weird, messed up places. And, you know, and, and, and I didn't have a lot of support from a family point of view. It was up to me. If, if someone was broken my life, I had to fix it. So I started doing therapy. I started meditating. I started just looking deep into myself. And that's what prompted me to be like, dog, you've never sang a tune with a Caribbean accent. You mm -hmm. never made a tune that even referenced soca or dancehall or Afrobeats. I listened to all the music. I've never not listened to it, but I wasn't making that music. And I suddenly decided that, wait a minute, music is such a powerful shaper of my life. I need to use this musical capacity I've built up to help with my healing. And how I wanted to do that was I, like, Doug, if I even talk in a chinny accent, I, I start to laugh. I, I laugh different. I smile different. I breathe different. If I'm singing in a song, I can hit notes in Trinidadian that I can't hit in Canadian. That's mm. how much a part of me it is. So, so I just realized, yo, you have to, bring that into your life. You have to claim that, own that. Even when you're in spaces where that isn't what, what is centered, you've got to center it because um, if you don't, then you're always showing up as less. Yeah, I, I, um, I had a, a fellow Bermudian on the podcast recently and I, I came to the conclusion that like us being from where we're from is like a superpower and it's <laughs> something like, I don't know, like I think when I was younger, I I was a little bit trying to get away to some extent. I, I listened to a lot of hip hop and back then it was all dancehall, reggae. That was what, if you didn't listen to that, you were a nerd. So, I, you know, right. listening to hip hop was probably considered cool and edgy in Canada, but in Bermuda, it was considered you're a nerd. Like, what do you do? <laughs> um, so, and I played basketball. I didn't really like football or cricket or anything like that. So. Yeah, I was it was like I was intentionally trying to be uh, different or something like that. Um, and then just the art thing. Right. Um, but then, you know, as I'm up here and I'm trying to, like, figure out who I am as an artist and as a visual artist and all of that stuff, it's like, what better than to go back to who you are and the, the core and you have unlimited supply of inspiration when you when you can dig back to those experiences that you actually had instead of looking at what what are they doing over there and you know what yeah. are the Japanese doing here and it's all good to have those influences but like there's something like you actually have real experiences within your own life that you can draw from yeah yeah no 100 I mean so so much beautiful things you said right there I mean number one is just like how black people perceive us within the culture, how we perceive ourselves, right? And 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 you a nerd if you're different and yeah. you don't fit in. I'm just like, but I was always the kid, like this is me at five, my aunt's trying to pick my hair so I could look nice at church. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. I refuse. She's like, but don't you want to look nice at church? 
I'm like, why? She's like, because people are going to see you and they're going to judge you if you don't look nice. I'm like, okay, I don't care. And that was kind of how my life always was. Oh, I'm a nerd. Okay. Right. Right. (laughs) Do I get to do what I want to do? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to leave me alone. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm good. But but then the flip to that is um is what you said I think is a very potent point about um about about choosing our own way right you know and just just about being determining determining who we are in this country and who we want to be and and about looking inside like like you know in music in music especially in hip hop it's all about what's hot. So mm-hmm. it what what's hot? Let's look out there, see what's hot, and let's make a version of it, right? I am always listening to what's going on out in the world. I'm always listening. I'm always reading. I'm always, culture is, is, is the most beautiful thing about being alive as a human. But when I want to create, I don't look out. I look in and I go, mm-hmm. hey, what do I have to say? what do I feel? And then I'm going to try to, I might reference or I might, I might leverage something that's out there to help me get that out. But the fundamental drive is always an internal one. Right. And I feel like when, and like you said, I think you're right. Like you have, we have this sort of like undefeatable, unexhaustible wellspring of, creativity that bursts out of us like a like a fountain like a river that's inside of us which is our experience mm-hmm. our feelings our thoughts the way we interact with it like you can never exhaust that as a source yeah. of things whereas you can exhaust like every style of music every style of rap every style of whatever rock whatever and i've lived that life man i put out my first ep in 97 Oh, wow. Right? I did a soundtrack. I, I literally went through from blues, jazz, hip-hop, rock, punk rock, rap rock, um, soul music, R&B, blues music again, Brit pop, yeah. you know, dance pop, <laughs> you know, um, all the way through soca, dancehall, um, um soca dancehall hip-hop um afro beats right like i've literally moved through and inhabited all of those spaces and and it hadn't changed me those many of those things have come and gone and they've they've been had their day and faded and i've i was i was i was walking actually with my ex-girlfriend uh this morning and and she all married and got kids and stuff, but we're friends. I'm like, yo, let's go for a walk. And we were talking about, um, you know, we long time ago we were together, and and we were talking about how, like, one poster of one show with like six bands on it, and the promoter, and 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 all of these people, and of all those people, and all those bands, and all that energy. I'm the only one that's still making music. Hey, I was, I literally saw something similar to that on Twitter today. <laughs> you know, it's something about like, 
that perseverance to continue to keep going and sort of just sticking to it. <laughs> what do you think that is? Like, what do you think? Yo, it's purpose, man. I, I feel like, for the, you know, you could, I remember, I, I feel like if you live in your purpose, it ain't perseverance, it's purpose. Because hmm. sure, it is perseverance, but that's, uh, that isn't the mindset. The mindset is, is for me, it's just compulsion, right? It's like, and I think about where I grew up in Trinidad in the bush in the jungle. It's like mango tree never say we have mango last year, no mango this year. No, the mango tree is like mango every year, mm -hmm. every season, mango, right? Abundance. And that's how I live. And I'm like, how can a mango tree start producing coconut? Mm. Right? What does a mango tree do? Yeah. It makes mango. Right. right, Like, it's, so for me, that's what it was like. I knew my purpose was that. And so for me, it wasn't like I might have good years, bad years. I might have been happy, sad, this girlfriend, that girlfriend. But I always did my purpose. I couldn't. I hated every second I spent not doing my thing that I was here to do. And so, yeah, you can look at it as perseverance. I look at it as purpose and abundance. Like, mm. I remember when I, I, I went to six high schools, man, six different towns, oh. believe that. And I was in, I was, when I came here from Trinidad, I was a really good student. So they, I was really, I was aged what, 11. Mm -hmm. So I was basically like grade six age. But I was reading and writing and arithmetic at like a grade 11, 12. And they're like, okay, well, we can't put him in high school because he's too small and <laughs> too young. So they put me in grade eight. Um, my second high school, I was still this little kid and I was in Aurora, uh, uh, Ontario. And, and I was just around these rock kids who were playing guitar and doing their thing and doing shows. And that was, I was in band also, I played clarinet, but I, but I really just loved being around these rock and roll dudes who could play instruments. To me, they were like Gandalf. They were like magicians, right? right? Cause think about it. You can just take this piece of wood with wires and make it sound like angels singing. What? Right. Right. I was just blown away. And I met those guys like, like a long time, like a decade and a half later, those same dudes. And they were in a band called The Salads, a kind of ska band, ska mm -hmm. punk band. And I met them. I was like, dudes, we're playing a gig together. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lead singer in a band. And they all, as a man, shrugged and said, of course you are. But they were they being sarcastic or were they just no, saying they they no, remembered because, you from back in the day having because they could tell even even that twelve year old way too mm. small for high school mouthy kid they could tell of course I was in a band because I was already I had that stamped all over me mm. yeah right and so you know again how does the mango tree breed coconut it doesn't it it mm -hmm. just keeps making mango and so that's what how i see that perseverance is that if that's who you are and you want to live a happy life then you're gonna do that more mm -hmm. you know yeah. sure i could have you know i turned down film school grad school law school 
you know, I was a smart kid. I was a capable kid. Like they didn't skip me because I was dumb. I could I could have done lots of stuff. And I, I worked for BlackBerry. I did corporate sales, but I did it because I could tour while I did it. Right. Mm-hmm. I took my day job because I I wanted money to fund music and it was flexible enough that I could tour and I could work remotely. And so mm-hmm. like like before it was cool. Yeah. So for me, everything, even when I wasn't doing music or art, was about doing music or art, <laughs> you know? So yeah. because to me, it's I just wouldn't be happy. I'd be miserable. You could put me with the most beautiful woman, the most biggest bank account and the biggest house and the nicest car, and everybody tells me I'm successful. But if I ain't doing my thing, I will be miserable. Mm. And, and so, you know, I turned down a lot of stuff. I turned down, like, there's, there's beautiful women who wanted to marry me and have, like, that family life, and I couldn't do it. And there's, you know, there's all this opportunity that I've stepped away from. And as a result, now they tell me, well, yo, you blowing up. You got so much perseverance. And, but for me, I was just like, there was never a choice. Wow. There was never a choice. There was never a choice for me. And so it's perseverance when you have a really hard choice and you got to choose to do the hard thing and power through. But when you got no choice, when it's compulsion, that's not perseverance. That's to me, that's purpose. That's that's knowing why you are here and and knowing that you won't be happy unless you live that life. So one of your songs on the album is Mango Tree. Is that kind of what what that's about? The, The abundance? I mean, I feel, yes, absolutely, the abundance in a particular relationship, romance way, that song. Mm. But for me, mango mango, and mango tree is like a religion for me because I just see, because I grew up where there was like seven mango trees around the house. Mm. And, and I feel like that metaphor of the tree and the roots and the nourishment and the roots got to go down as deep as the branches go tall and, and, and you got to nourish them and, and it bears fruit in its time. And, and if mango seasons in July, you could want mango all you want in February, you're not going to get mango. You got to be patient and you got to wait for your time. And so all of that is just like a rich metaphor for how I live life, right? Abundance, roots, nourishment, patience, mm-hmm. right? Patience, trusting process. Like these are all things that I do. So I, I'm kind of like in a in a, you know, I don't I, I'm not really a cult leader, but if I had if I was, <laughs> they'd call the cult mango. <laughs> You know, so I just like it. And that's how we grow up. You know, in the Caribbean, we like our little sayings, you know, we like our little, you know, my grandmother is like, who do here does feel? Or, you know, or, or every bread have a cheese, you know, that's a chitty saying. Like the, and so, so I have a whole bunch of sayings around mango and, and that's a recent thing. Like there was a point where I just started drawing trees in my journals and my sketchbooks and, and because I realized that I was longing for being rooted and right. started with the roots. But uh, yeah, but that song Mango Tree is kind of one incarnation of that, but it's a lot bigger than that. Right. So you did um, 
you talked about your book, which is dope, by the way, that was published by Penguin. And like, I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> but uh, you got, um, so it's called Saga Boy, but then you got like the companion piece, which is, which is the album Saga King. What is, what is that journey about? Like, or how much can you, can you say? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, first of all, thank you. And I mean, as an English lit, like I, I got my degree in English lit. I learned to read from reading the Bible when I was three. My grandmother taught me because she needed to read her Bible, but her eyes were bad. So uh, I learned to read King James so that I could be her eyes. And, and she taught me to sing, too. So she had this, this overarching power on my life but um and that's where the journey starts and so I see Saga Boy and Saga King as one work of art with two different parts and Saga Boy is kind of the journey of this young boy growing up when he's 11 he comes to Canada he literally goes from the from the rainforest to the blizzard and like literally it was like hours (laughs) and 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 you're and it's followed and then he everything that he thought was his home is ripped away and now he has to pick up the pieces and art and creativity is kind of how he figures out how to do that you know like I said six high schools went to university just just always creating always be longing for the family never had because I didn't grow up with my mom and dad I grew up with my grandma she died so just felt like this sense of like where do I belong Trinidad Canada with the black people with the white people Mm. where do I belong where's my place you know Mm. playing rock music playing hip-hop like where's my place and and at the end of Saga Boy, the book, it's like, I'm just starting to figure it out. And then in my real life, what happened was I started, as we described earlier, making music around the African diaspora and my Black identity and claiming that. And the album Saga King is really the culmination of that music so that I've been making over the last five years. Um, so I felt like that portion of the story was so music focused that the better move is to end the book there and then make an album that describes <laughs> what happens next. And so I say, you know, and it's, you know, I say that Saga Boy is the journey of the boy and Saga King is the celebration of the man. Because when I got to Saga King and I claimed back my, my Caribbean-ness, my Trini-ness, my mute, my and my black community, I felt a sense of like, when you know you belong somewhere, you feel a sense of comfort in your skin and you Mm -hmm. grow into your power. And that sovereignty that I felt over myself that I felt I never had, that's the crown. And that's why the name is Saga King because it's it's really the crowning of, 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 it's really the crowning of, of this person who's trying to figure out, try to figure out, and finally they find the place and the crown and the kingdom and the, 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 lo- the location and the groundedness and the rootedness that comes from that sovereignty. That's what you're hearing in the album. In the album, I'm comfortable. I'm happy. And I, I'm not trying to please nobody. I'm giving you 
Trini talks and hip hop talks and dance hall and 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 you know fellow woke is is like a is almost like a Bob Marley kind of vibe in, in terms of storytelling and and vulnerability and mango tree is like playful love song and Olaroon is about you know reconnecting with like West African Orisha religion where where a lot of us originated from right and so it's there's so much I'm not bothering about giving you what what you want to hear mm-hmm. because you've heard it somewhere else I'm bothering with giving you what I need you to hear and what you need what I feel you need to hear you know so again it's coming from inside from that place of sovereignty so that's Saga King and that's Saga Boy and and you know I'm I've just been blessed man the book is nominated for a bunch of awards like shortlisted for awards it's been praised like like I thought you know I'd get a couple sort of good reviews I'm like it's like any place that's any place in Canada any critic that was any critic that read it praised it to the skies and now we're doing the U.S. launch People Magazine is doing a review of it Time Magazine is doing a review of it and I'm just like I'm flabbergasted because I'm just like, yo, I didn't really think all of that. I just wanted to make a book because I felt like I was lost. Yeah, I felt like I had no idea what the hell was going on in my life. And so I was just like, well, the only way I know to respond to that is to create something. Mm -hmm. So I made the book. And honestly, Penguin Random House and those, they came through. And I was just, you know, they you know the team of people that help get get it there i always be like look i don't know if this is any good but these people are legends and they should know better Mm -hmm. so if they tell me it's good i'm gonna be like okay cool (laughs) (laughs) let's go because i never do no book on that level before um Uh yeah i know my books don't get me wrong i'm a i'm a i'm a yeah, like, come on, like, all the way back to the beginning of books, I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm that dude, I'm a books dude, for real. But, um, but I never saw myself as the creator of classics. Right. And suddenly, that's what I've become. Yeah, I've become somebody in the creator of classics, just like, you know, I used to read Dante, I used to read Toni Morrison, like, Audre Lorde, like, you know, whoever, Shakespeare, like Milton, you know, I used to read Chaucer, like all of these like classics of literature. I know them very, very, very well, but I never made none. And now it's like suddenly I'm that dude. And people are reading your book. Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's like, it's on a, it's like, it's phenomenal. Like it's, I'm just so, I feel so blessed. Like, People are just not only reading it, but they're they're praising it and they're lifting it up. And I haven't stopped doing interviews around the book, like like going on nine months now. Mm-hmm. You know, let, so, me, let me ask you something. Do you think that um, with with what happened in 2020, where people started to look at uh, what's happening with black people and, and saying, yo, we got to start uplifting Black people in all different areas. Do you think that kind of helped you or? Well, I mean, I hope so. I don't really know. But like, 
you know, killing us has always been in fashion. (laughs) Jacking our culture has always been in fashion. (laughs) You know, so I, I, I hope so. I hope that that our stories are finally getting their due. It's like, you know, it's like I can name eight movies about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I can't name one about Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Right. And so our stories have always gotten pushed to the side. And so, yeah, I think there's always been a, an appetite for black misery, but I think that it's a, it's definitely been in a next gear um, since the George Floyd situation. But I mean, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Like for me, I'm kind of like, look, I spent a lot of time where being black was a disadvantage in Mm -hmm. in music in Canada. Being black was a disadvantage. Uh, um, So I'm happy to embrace it if it is helping. (laughs) But also I don't trust it because I don't really trust um, I don't trust anybody to give me my sense of freedom or my sense of self or my liberty or justice. We can't trust nobody. Like, cause you know, it's not like they started killing black people in 2020. No, you know, it was, there were like every year for the last 400, they've been killing. So, so this whole thing is there's an element of uh, fashion to it, right? There's an element of it's fashionable to Mm -hmm. do it right now and so i feel maybe i've benefited maybe i haven't but i'll tell you what i don't trust anyone to suddenly be i don't trust any of this to suddenly stop because of all of this Mm -hmm. fashion that that's happened which my book may be part of and maybe the the response is part of it but you know i always tell people like like i'm a booksman so for me, it's about, and I'm an artist most, most critically. So for me, look, you don't need to be black from the Caribbean or even an immigrant to see yourself in my story. Mm-hmm. If I've done my job, then it isn't about, it, it's about human being and human characteristics. Look, it doesn't matter who you are. You need to figure out who you are in this world and where you belong. Yeah, that's what my book's about. It doesn't matter who you are. Your grandmother probably had some impact on your life at some point, probably. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who you are. You have a family who got dealt a hand and you're trying to make the best of it. And it ain't always smooth. And that's Mm -hmm. what my book's about. So for me, if I've done my job, the book is you can see yourself and find yourself in the work, regardless of if we share those characteristics. And so I feel like that's the main, I feel like that's the main driver of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe people are more receptive and maybe more likely to pick it up. But once you pick it up, what, what I see is I get messages every day. I got messages from a Nigerian dude who played basketball for the, for the, he's from Canada, grew up here, but he plays ball for the Nigerian team. He's in Tokyo right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got a message from Trini people who are like, yo, this is like, you're putting our story into the Canadian story. We feel so seen. I got messages from, from people who went through mental health and sexual abuse issues. And they're like, yo, like that was so brave how you broke that down thank you 
I got messages from writers trying to write their story. And they're like, yo, like your story inspired me. Like, how did you, what's your process, right? I got messages from music people who are just like, yo, that's fresh that you wrote a book, man. That's so like, I always wanted to do that. Like, that's amazing. And you're also talking about the music experience in a book and I've never seen that. So, so you see what I mean? It's not like very few people actually going like, yo, I'm black, you're black. Most mm -hmm. of it is about, it's just about these really fundamental human experiences. Like a lot of immigrants, a lot of people with immigrant parents, like from, you know, Romania and places like that, that ain't nothing like Trinidad have reached out. So yeah, there it is, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what great art does too. Um, you know, like say I'm a hip hop head, but like I didn't grow up in the hood. I grew up in neighborhood in Bermuda. There's nothing like the New York projects or whatever the case right. may be. But like right. you can relate to right. um, the, these different scenarios because the, you know it's a different kind of pain, a different kind of struggle. But like you're feeling you're feeling that connection and that that level. And that's so, art. That's art. One thing that's that's um, interesting about the album too, and like hearing you talk about uh, you hanging out with these these rock band dudes and and all that stuff, it makes so much sense. Is I'm listening to it, and um, which I know this isn't a necessarily a great thing because I'm a little I I hate I hate categorization to some extent myself but I found myself tempted to be like how would I describe this music how would I categorize it and I found that I couldn't really do that because all of your influences are coming out um mm -hmm. yeah all at once in a lot of ways um you you could have easily made it an Afrobeats album you could have easily made it yeah album, but you kind of like really just embraced all of that stuff yeah yeah and that's and that's what I was saying earlier about look if it's if it's part of me I can't leave it out mm -hmm. right if it's yeah. part of me then it and I didn't do it it would feel missing and so and that's the also what I'm saying about you know kind of looking like you know I feel like the typical artist would look around and go okay Afrobeats is hot right now so yeah look we gonna get those beats we're gonna play up that that vibe. We're gonna like try to let's see what Davide is doing and Wizkid and Alberna Boy. Let's see what these guys are doing and let's let's try a ting. Um, but yeah, like I don't feel like at the point I'm at, I don't feel like I have to imitate anyone because, like, you heard my journey. I I, I was dropping records in '97, like so, yeah. Like so, I don't feel like I like. I feel like I am me and I'm, I'm the creator and, and, you know, like a great chef doesn't go, well, I can only use these ingredients mm -hmm. or, or, you know, a great chef is going to go, yo, I'm going to give you some French classics and some Italian classics and some, you know, let me try yeah. that jerk chicken. Let me see how that works. You know what this do, because I'm a great chef and, and, and it's all just ingredients and taste buds and dishes at the end of the day. So that's how I look at it. So, and I don't want anybody to pitching me in because as soon as you drop the Afrobeat album, they're trying to tell you you can't do hip hop. Yep. As soon as you drop the hip hop album, they're trying to tell you, well, you can't play an acoustic guitar and sing on a tune. Mm -hmm. 
you know, as soon as you do that album, they tell you, well, yo, you can't, you can't come on a, on a patois dance hall kind of thing. And I'm like, nah, man, we gotta, you know, again, that is the core philosophy of how I live and, and what, and how I do art is, is I will determine the boundaries where my horizons are, not you, not anybody and so, yeah, so that's the vibe. And, and I, I like to think that if you listen to it, it's, con, it's cohesive because it's me and yeah. my energy that's is the consistency. on everything. Yeah, that's yeah. the consistency. My energy is on everything. So, you, so that vibe is the same vibe, regardless of where we're kind of putting the... Well, well yeah, that's what I found interesting because I was like, you could argue that a bunch of these songs are different styles. But yeah. there still feels like a cohesive story being told right. along the line. So that was that was kind of interesting how you were able to do that. Yeah, I just feel like once you get to a point as an artist, as a creator, then your influences disappear and and you can just spontaneously dip into all your bags and come with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like sometimes I'm just like really like and you know and the albums i love like you know like say anderson pox malibu mm-hmm. like what genre is that like, yeah yeah <laughs> like, but it's got like like so many different styles except it's anderson pox so That's his okay. voice and his story is on everything and i feel when you get to a point as an artist to me like in guitar playing, you know, I love, I love guitars. I'm a guitar dude. So, you know, bass is my main instrument, but I love guitars and yo, you, I can listen to BB King play one note for one second. And I'll tell you that's BB King. He could be on a rock song. He could be on a blues song. He could be on a soul song. He could be on a funk song. I'm like, that's BB King. Cause nobody else does that vibrato like him. Mm-hmm. And guitar players know any guitar player you ask them what's that BB King sound and they, they know, mm-hmm. you know they even tell you how he makes it. He runs that Gibson three thirty five through the Fender Twin, and he and he does the one finger vibrato and that's his sound. Oh, and it doesn't matter what style you put him on. That's BB King's sound. And so for me, I feel the powerful artist. That's where you get to where it doesn't matter what you put you on. It's going to be you. People are going to know that that's you. And I feel like when you're still figuring it out and you're imitating, you're not fluent enough in all the languages to just come through and just be like, I can just express like I'm literally walking around with a head full of music. Like we can literally like my cleaning lady came through. I I do the Molly Mae because, you know, it's been real busy. I ain't got time to dust baseboards, but Clean lady comes through and they sent some new women. I like to, you know, I like to talk to them just to get to know them. She's like, oh, you know, what's what's going on with you? She's like, oh, I'm playing and um, uh, I'm playing. This is two days ago. She's like, oh, well, you know, I'm breaking in a new guitar player in my band. I'm like, oh, you play in band. OK, what kind of music you play? Oh, well, you wouldn't know. I'm like, well, try me. Like oh, like you know, I oh well, you know, like heavy metal kind of music. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. So, what band would you say that you guys sound like the most? She's like, oh, you know, like 
um, you, you might not know, but you know, like Metallica, Iron Maiden, that's kind of, I'm like Bruce Dickinson, Iron Maiden, or Paul Deano, Iron Maiden? Oh, oh Bruce, Dickinson, <laughs> Bruce Dickinson, Iron Maiden. Okay, and, and are you talking like 90s Fuel Metallica, or are you talking Master of Puppets Metallica? And like, suddenly, mm. she, suddenly she's in trouble. I'm like, what's your favorite song to sing from Iron Maiden? She's like, Hallowed Be By Name. Oh, that's the one with the bell at the beginning and that really long note, right? That's hard to sing. And suddenly she's just like, what? But I could do that with like, I could do that with a lot of different types of music, right? Yeah. So that's what you're dealing with with me. Like you're dealing with someone that's like, straight up nerdy about all music and how it's created and 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 I've made a lot of it over the years so for me it's just like it's a very instinctive understanding of a lot of the catalog of music you know mm-hmm. we could talk miles and we could talk blues and we could talk like it didn't matter and I can do the same thing with books like I'm a like that's that's kind of what my skill is and I feel like that's when you're at when you get to that place because you can know it but also you need to be doing it right but when you spent like all these years just doing it you know again because that's who I am you know everyone else quit (laughs) you know I'm still here and you just get better you don't get worse you get more fluid more understanding and it's like for, for me, I feel like I always, I have a long way to go still. I'm not like trying to set myself up as the, the all guru of music. I have a lot to learn. Every day I discover new music. Every day. I got people that all we do is send each other music every day. And every day they send me stuff I've never heard. And I love it. And I'm just like, what is this? they're like oh that's this I'm like oh damn okay and now I'm on that for a couple days and so that's how I like to live in that inspiration I think when you're in that and you're not just kind of going okay what's hot let me learn that okay cool burner boy's hot okay let me see all right let me Mm -hmm. see how is he doing that how is he doing that it's not even you know, we're not even in that place. It's like we're speaking all the languages all at once and we're spontaneously dipping into the bag and just painting, yep. painting and creating. And that's, you know, I don't know. That's how I do it. That's how I yep. do it. So when it comes out, it has this vibe and it's cohesive, but you're kind of like, yo, wait a minute. Like this is, this guy is taking us places. Right. He ain't just taking us one place and staying there. He's like, okay, let me give you certain feels and emotions and let me take you through this journey. But it's all me. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's what's cohesive for, uh, for it. But, yeah. you know, again, it's always evolving. There's always new things to do. And what all I can guarantee you is the next album ain't going to sound like this one. <laughs> I love it. So what, what would you say is a big... Well, just a couple more minutes. Um, but like, yeah. what would you say is like a big challenge for you in this industry? Um, damn. I mean, there are realities about the game. I feel like like everything being streamed, People don't buy music anymore. I mean, I feel like that took a lot of the revenue out of the game, mm-hmm. right? So 
So, but you know, we pivot. Now I make money off of um, licensing the film and TV. Like I, mm. I have, I have songs on Netflix shows. So you know, but I feel like that's become one of the huge challenges. It's like, yo, if you can't make money, then you can't keep doing it. So what's up? Yeah. Um, obviously, with COVID and not being able to play shows. But that's an advantage too, because it gave me a lot of time to create, as I was saying. But, you know, we're we're about to open up. We're playing a, a block party festival called Mixed TO Festival on the 21st of August. We're headlining the Saturday night. And so I love that, I love that. But it's, those are the challenges I would say. I mean, I think music has become kind of disposable a little bit for people. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I think the bigger challenge for me, what I think about a lot is how do I write all the books that are in my head and play, all the, <laughs> and play all the music? It's like, I don't have enough time to be, to be doing both. Like, I'm, <sighs> you know, I've got, I've got drafts of my books that I do, but I'm releasing the album. So I don't have time to, you know, so you got to be real tight with your time. And that's my biggest challenge as a whole. That's not specific to music, just as a whole. How do you, because I like to get into a vibe. I like to like, yo, a whole month, I'm just thinking about my book. Like I'm talking to the characters every day. Like, <laughs> like I want to go that deep, but you can't. Because again, distraction is the enemy of all art. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the biggest challenge for me is like, if I could, if I can master that, then the future is bright. <laughs> yeah. Dope. Dope. So, um, I was going to ask you if, if you had anything to promote coming up, but we got the album. Is that actually, what's the release date on the album? The album came out Friday. So, oh, so that one's out. You can hear that. You can definitely hear it. Um, that's really it, man. Go listen to the album. That's all I got to promote. Or or read the book if you're into the book. Um, if you're a reader or you want to check the story, go read Saga Boy. Um, okay. If you're not a reader, I did the audiobook as a vocalist, as a performer, I'm telling you the story in the audiobook. So I sing the songs. I do my <laughs> grandmother's accent, my mom's accent. My, my mom's like, boy, I am your mother. You will have many friends, but only one mother. That's <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> like Caribbean mom kind of thing to say. But I do all the accents, everything. So even if you're not a reader, Check the audiobook because really people that have taken done the audiobook are telling people that haven't that you're missing out. But I'm a book guy, I like the physical. Um, so that's available any bookstore, Amazon chapters, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. they got me annoyingly present in, in books in Canada this year. And um and the albums wherever, Spotify, Saga King is on Spotify. Apple, Deezer, whatever, <laughs> wherever you listen to music, it's present. And really, that's it. That's all I'm promoting. And, and beyond that, like, get at me on the social things, man. The Twitter ting, the Insta ting, the Snap ting, Fierce ting, mm -hmm. all the ting them. So, like, like, you know, I love hearing from people that hear the music and, and what they think or read the book. Like, that for me is a lot of the 
satisfaction of doing it is talking to people and just being like, yo, what's your favorite song? Like what part of the book move you the most? Like mm-hmm. real people, that's that's it for me. So that's about okay. it. Okay. All right. Well, dope, dope, dope. Thank you, uh, John. Well, actually, so John Orpheus, that's right. the band name, or is it yeah. you, like what? I know it's you have a different name. Yeah, so Antonio Michael Downing is my birth name. That's the name my mama gave me, um, yeah. so my, my Venezuelan birth certificate. And um, um, and the book's written under that name because it was a memoir. So it's I wanted to talk real things. So I wanted to be like, yo, let's go to the birth name. Yeah. Uh, but John Orpheus or J.O. is what people call me in music. And that's always what I perform under. So... Mm-hmm. If his lights and a microphone is John Orpheus. And yeah, it's like, you know, I kind of look at them as nicknames. You know, it's like Jay-Z, Sean Carter, mm-hmm. like Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. It's like, you know, it's like they're just nicknames. I'm the same person no matter what. Um, it's just really about, you know, context, really. So Yeah. Do you have a, yeah. I know I'm supposed to end it right now, but this has got me on another wave. You ever feel like, so when I was in high school, my friends used to call me action man because I uh, I did martial arts. So I was always doing like kicks and all that stupid stuff. Yeah. Um, but like I, when I started playing basketball, I would be like, okay, I'm going to hit the action man persona and, you know, I'm going to go score 20 or whatever right so do you, when you when you're playing music do you ever feel like okay i'm in my john orpheus uh persona right now we're gonna get yeah i feel like there's definitely a jail bag for sure that like i mean there's a whole wardrobe like i have a wardrobe in here and it's all that's all like jail stage stuff some of it is retired i don't wear it no more but it's like a it's like a costume museum um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like definitely there's a vibe and there's an energy that's J.O., but I, it's really just me, like you say, like Action Man is part of you and it's just like in great acting, they always say you just find, connect with what's a part of you and bring that out. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what I feel like at the beginning of the book, I quote Oscar Wilde and I say, give him a mask and he'll show you the truth. Mm-hmm. And and so, which goes back to Trinidadians playing mass for carnival, right? Where they dress up and like in all these crazy costumes. But that started when they were slaves and there would li- literally be masquerade balls that the masters would have. Mm-hmm. And they would throw their own mass. Like that's where mass comes from, playing mass is playing masquerade. Okay. okay. But you would wear the mask because as a slave, you didn't get to express yourself the rest of the time during the year. So during carnival, when you put that mask on, it gives you that anonymity so you can release who you really are. So mm-hmm. people look at it as, hey, the mask is a character that you're playing, but actually the mask reveals the truth that we wow. can't reveal elsewhere, right? So that's how I see J.O. And that's why I create. I, I started do playing as J.O. I was in a movie called John Orpheus is Dead, an independent movie. And then after, and in the movie, I had to perform as J.O., this musician. And I started doing shows as J.O. just to help the movie sort of vibe. 
And then when the movie stuff was done, I just kept doing J.O., John Orpheus, because I just felt like it liberated me to become, to show these parts of myself I couldn't show elsewhere. So, so that's what's up. And, and, and yeah, I live that life. And I, and, I, and I embrace that. I feel, so for me as a Trini playing mask, the mask is, is revelatory, not, it doesn't hide you. It reveals mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dope. I love that. I think I'm going to start. I'm going to reflect on that one a bit because I, this, this is new <laughs> yeah. for me. So, Action man. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> what position do <laughs> you play? <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I like to play small forward, but I don't really, I, I didn't really have the shooting ability. So I always ended up getting, and I could jump really high, but I wasn't that tall. So I would get put in like power forward position or or center sometimes, but I'm only, I'm six, two. And, you know, I have to guard guys that are like six, seven, six, eight. So I don't know, man. Uh, I I've been trying to work on my shooting so I can so I can play yeah. a different position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a backcourt. So you're a backcourt yeah. kind of height. I'm a wannabe. Uh, I'm a wannabe uh, guard, but more of a forward. Yeah, Yo, we can work on that, man. Let's get the broomstick. Yeah, I I don't know if you know this, but I played at University of Waterloo. So oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I ball. I balled, man. I used to ball for real. Oh, I didn't know that. What, yeah. what position? Um, backcourt, so point and shooting guard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We had some All right. those years. So, yeah, yeah. So, nice, I know the nice. struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. I Yeah, I, I chose to go to art school, so I missed out on my opportunity to play at that level. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, once a baller, man, always a baller. That's, like... I feel like that lens is how I see the world. Even if I'm not playing basketball in my head, I'm, I'm always point guarding. Still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always setting up the play peripheral vision, like, like call the shot, finish the shots, set up the dunk, you know, like, yep. like I'm always thinking like the point guard because yeah. that's what's up. Yeah. Cool. All right. So yeah, man. Uh, take it easy. I'll let you know when the episode drops. And thanks for doing Art Pays Me. Yeah, absolutely, Dwayne. Real pleasure, man. Cool. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at ArtPaysMe on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.